0: And it goes back to what you guys believe in, and I've heard you say over and over again, and that is I believe holistically and to my deepest core that it's my job to create an environment for them to be able to think on their own without punishment.
1: Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, brought to you by Carnavera. The leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We're also excited to now be a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, a network of rich conversations about every topic around the globe, from business to leadership to history to relationships. Today, we have Daryl Evans with us, and the title is Leadership Mindset shift your thinking, shift your results. Daryl is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. He's owned and started many businesses over his career. He currently owns a company called Yoko Local Internet Marketing, a digital marketing agency. But today we're gonna to talk about a little bit of digital marketing, but mostly about leadership and growing your people and growing your business by shifting your mindsets. He's gonna talk about four critical steps for learning and growth. He's gonna talk about embracing the power of choice in every situation, moment, and experience. He's gonna talk over and over about how vital it is to engage in the process of mind shifts in order to not only transform your perspective, but to transform the people around you and the achievement of your desired results. I love this statement. He said, you're never stuck where you are so long as you're willing to shift your mind and route to shifting your results. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Shifting your mindset and shifting your results. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz
2: and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have
1: time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business.
2: Welcome to your bigger business
1: and bigger life. We are excited to be back here for another fantastic episode and conversation. And today we have Daryl Evans with us. He is a serial entrepreneur and investor Co founder of a company called Yokel Local Internet Marketing. And he and his team have helped entrepreneurs and companies generate over $300 million in revenue online since 2011. Probably not a surprise for the serial entrepreneur. He has personally started or operated six businesses since he was 20. He's also the host of the Mind Shift podcast. We love that. Mind Shift, yes. which launched in 2019. He's also the founder of the Mind Shift Business Academy, and Daryl's passion is entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about that today. He loves sharing the lessons, mistakes, breakthroughs, frameworks that have helped him and hundreds of other businesses market profitably, grow sales predictably, and build superstar teams. And his goal is really simple. We love this one. Help you grab at least one mind shift today that could catapult you to your next level of success. So welcome, Daryl.
0: Jeff and Craig, I am excited to be here. I appreciate the work that you're doing in this world. I loved your story when I heard about it. And I think we're in for a great conversation. Hope your audience enjoys it.
1: Yeah, glad to have you here. Awesome, Daryl. So, Daryl, give everybody a little bit of the backstory for Daryl Evans.
0: I appreciate it. Um, I hate these intros are always interesting. But yeah, as you (laughs) as you stated, (laughs) you know, the short story is, yeah, I did get started entrepreneurship in my 20s. Yeah, it sounds interesting when you say six companies, obviously, three of those failed. Uh, We can talk unpack that a little bit. Uh, But inside of failure comes lessons lessons that you catapult. Uh, I uh, spent a good chunk of my time though, in the real estate and lending industry, uh, real estate agent as well as uh, own a mortgage company. Uh, 2008 came along. pivot. Uh, I looked at my life plan. I started working with a business coach, life coach in 2005, looked at my life plan in 2008, nine. And what was interesting was I'd, I'd had a vision for something 25 years down the line. If you've ever done any work to plan 25 years, it's, it's hard work, right? And yep. uh, so 2008, 2009 happens in the real estate industry. It, and in some reflection <laughs> time, I said, I don't know that I wanna stay in this industry, even though I was, you know, kind of at what the, quote unquote, the top of the game and I decided uh, to start in the world of digital marketing. What, but the, the basis of that really goes back in my early 20s. And maybe we'll unpack that a little bit. And really, I started internet marketing for the mortgage company in mm-hmm. 2003, three four, And we launched an internet marketing division in 2005. So I just was an early adopter. And so I was noticing change in consumer direction, consumer behavior, technology was evolving. And I said, you know, I think this is a field I could do for the rest of my life because this is going to be an ever evolving field. I met my business partner in 2008. We Mm -hmm. started Yoko Local 2010. We opened in 2011. And as you mentioned, we've been, uh, you know, we've been helping companies grow now for the last 11 years with a a framework that uh, sits at at the bottom of everything we do. Just like if you build a house, there's got to be a foundational framework. And then from there, you can you can make some magic happen. So um, that's the short story.
2: That's pretty awesome. So when you're looking at 25 years out, things change around you. How often did you revisit that life plan?
0: I revisited about once a year, once okay. sometimes once every two years. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part about the planning work was, uh, and my coach, I, I still think to this day, I still talk to him to this day. Uh, we'll, we'll connect once or twice a year. And uh, we're not still in a coaching relationship, but uh, we, we, you know, we became friends. And the work that I reflect back on is the vision. It Mm -hmm. isn't as much the plan because I wrote stuff in that document in 2005 that that plan is no longer the same, meaning the mechanism is not the same, but the vision ironically is the same. And I talk a lot about, you know, and by the way, this, this is something that, you know, in various ways, vision plays into everything that I do. And that is being able to see something before it exists, Mm -hmm. believe in something happening before the realization of it happening, which is really part of the essence of mind shift. But um, Jim Rohn says it this way, that you know, if you find yourself not where you wanna be, don't change the plan, sorry, don't change the goal, change the plan. Hmm. And so for me, that document served as the goal and the plan at that time was, I'll be in the mortgage business. I'll be one of the best in the industry and best in the world. And well, I decided that that didn't suit my, my hmm. lifestyle. And part of that plan started to say, hey, this might need to change. Um, But I do revisit, I revisit that document uh, in its original form uh, from 2005, once a year, once every two years.
1: Gotcha. So Daryl, let's get one basic question answered. And because I hear this phrase all the time, I know Craig does, but I'm realizing other people don't. Some people don't really understand what a digital marketing agency is. <laughs> that is the term now, right? It used to be you had a marketing agency. Now I am a digital marketing agency and a lot of people, even business owners say, I don't know what the hell that is. So give us, give us the it's basics of what It's a great
0: is. question and a great distinction, right? The way you ask that question is a great baseline distinction. We think about if we go back to, and I've studied, uh, by the way, I didn't study marketing in school. I didn't study marketing. I didn't study... I studied finance. I actually wanted to go work on Wall Street. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Ironically, how does a guy take a finance degree with a customer service and fast food restaurant, early beginnings in in his working life and pivot that into the world of digital marketing through the pathway of real estate, mortgage lending, financial services, and fitness? (laughs) How in the world does, right? But so let's answer the question. It's the interest. Traditional marketing, traditional marketing in its old school day, I'm going to keep it simple and say it was all about the creative. Think television media. Mm, It's a creative endeavor. Think billboards and radio. There's a creative endeavor to put together words and or images and then put them in front of people to gain impressions, right? If I put a billboard up on the side of the major freeway and I'm a, I'm going to pick on personal injury attorneys just because it's an easy op. (laughs) If I, and I, and, and, listen, and there's something important about that. They have to do that because no one's going to Google in advance to search for the best personal injury attorneys in town in case the day happens that I get into a car accident and I need to hire one. So their purpose is to have impression share on the mind because they say that, you know, uh, with repetition, people can remember things, whether they, your reticular activator system can remember things, whether you Intended to even remember them or not, like a song. You listen to a song how many times, and all of a sudden you can listen, you cannot hear the song for 30 years, still know every word to the song.
2: And it's a small world after all, just sticks. <laughs> That's it, just
0: does, right? So traditional marketing agencies, tra- traditional marketing endeavors was, in my word, about the creative with words and images to gain impression share. Digital marketing, in my uh, definition of it, is using the We understand that the power of the consumer is in the hand of their phone or their mouse, Mm -hmm. and so our job then is to say where are they going to go with their device or with their mouse in route to solving a problem that they want to solve that your product or service could help them solve. You see, when I was in the real estate industry or the mortgage industry, someone who needed to buy a home or needed a home loan were referred to me. And I had to be the conduit to handle that transaction. Today, you don't need me as a real estate agent or lender and a lot of other professionals who don't wanna grab hold of this idea, but the consumer makes their decision 65 or 70% before they ever contact the professional. Yeah. So digital marketing agencies help companies if they do it right. And we're not just talking about tactics as well. Like we're not just saying Facebook ads or Google ads or email marketing. Digital marketing agencies done right are helping the client understand strategically the five levels of awareness that your ideal customer will have before they wanna buy your service, before they even recognize they have a problem, when they have a problem, when they enter a process to consider solving the problem, when they start making the decision to solve it, and then after they've bought the product or service to solve There are five levels of awareness that we try to work on. And digital is a way for us to do that with intention, um, not just gain impressions, not, you know, a uh, funny story really quick. And a company just came to us and they fired their other agency and, and the agency's job or the agency's strategy was just to gain impressions on LinkedIn mm. and let those impressions lead to a customer engagement with this brand. And hopefully, <laughs> yeah, and it didn't, yeah. and it doesn't work. So that's, that's just not that. Yeah, so that hopefully that helps a little bit. So it's just a different and uh, unfortunately a lot of companies that were in the traditional marketing space are easily flipping out digital marketing agencies and still selling impressions. I just just got off the phone with one of the major media companies in the country which is a, a network affiliate in our area with the three letter uh, word uh in their TV name. You guys could figure that out. And I said, well so what's the what's the end goal? For my client, if you want me to, to represent this product to your client. And they said, well, we're just gaining impressions. <laughs> my clients don't pay me for impressions. They pay me for results. Yeah. Results mean ducats, shekels, cash flow, sales, revenue, top line. They don't pay me for impressions.
2: <laughs> well, Daryl, I think that's probably the best, best way that I've heard it put. Um, I'm in the digital marketing space myself in another business. And I think you you really nailed it. Great, great job there.
1: Thanks. Daryl, I, I want to make sure we dive right into the thing that most drew me in this conversation is this idea of mind shift. Mm-hmm. I know you love to talk about entrepreneurship, and I know already entrepreneurship mind shift's part of that. You create a podcast called Mind Shift. So start with that. Why is mind shift so front and center in the work you do and in the topics you discuss?
0: Yeah, great. Thanks for uh for asking that. Mind shift. Um it is personal for me first. Um, I realized in my 20s, I had made some mistakes that left me in some places that I didn't really want to be in, but I had participated in the process of getting there. We could call them failures. I, I like to call them breakdowns. And oh. from a very sizable breakdown in my personal life, I had to figure out how I was going to have a breakthrough. Hmm. And I didn't use that phrase in 1998. The the word mind shift evolved in, in sort of 18 as I was working through something else. And I was called to the carpet with my coach at, at the time. And, and it was like, you need to get this out because this is how you've navigated the last 20 years of your life. Some would say successfully. And this is not just about how much revenue we've done for clients or how much money I make, or it's literally a framework for how I evolved through my life. And so the idea of mind shift is if we think about the word mindset it can be um, intentional in my mind, it's there, we intend to operate in a certain way, we intend to have a certain belief system, a certain pattern. Well, if you're stuck in your life, and you're trying to recover from a breakdown, a setback a failure, whether someone did it to you, or didn't do it to you, or you ended up in a place, look, we all just went through Corona. Uh, we had 2009 happen 2008 happened with real estate, we had the dot com bust, I've been through them all, And then we have all the other things in life, such as medical crisis, such as divorce and all these kinds of things. Well, now we end up at a place where maybe we didn't want to be. So the question is, is, okay, those were the facts. So when I made a mistake in my twenties, I was faced with some facts because it didn't matter what I wanted to do to apologize. The facts were the facts. And so the first step in the process is make peace with the facts, (laughs) right? Stop blaming, stop pointing fingers, and so the idea is make peace with the facts. Step does two then is to make.
2: Yeah. Sorry. So does that mean pull your head out of the sand and actually look at what's going on? Get get real. Open the letters that you don't want to open and and figure out where you are at that point. Right.
0: It, it is. So okay. I, I, I break it down a couple of ways and say, listen, as leaders, if something goes wrong in our life, whether someone did something to us or we feel like something happened to us or we were just a victim of something, we were there. Hmm. And it's an ownership of responsibility and a level of humility to say, okay, it is what it is, but because it is, doesn't mean it's permanent.
3: Mm,
0: good point. And I, and I get to make a new decision, which is step two in the thought process and, and the framework, which is, okay, what am I now going to do with the facts as it relates to what I want to be the end goal? So I will share briefly what, what it was. Uh, I had a relationship breakup and I had two children um, and our relationship split. And she decided to move. She had every right to do so. But I immediately saw my life without my, my boys at the time. Uh, I've now have three kids and we have a blended family now of five, plus grandchildren, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But the decision for me was I wanna be a great father, but I don't know how to do that from 1,075 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to say, okay, but it is not acceptable for me not to be a great father to these kids and be present as whatever presence looks like across 1,075 miles. And this is pre-iPhone, pre-Facetime, pre all of, they're, they're eight and two. So wow. the shift was, I've got to behave now in a totally different way. The facts are the facts. But if, I, if my goal is to be a great dad and be present, and there's, then I've got to become somebody else, right? And you guys know in leadership, a lot of times our next level of growth is in our next level of decision to become somebody new. Absolutely. Right. And so that becomes step two, deciding. And the decision in the decision means we cut off, right? The, I, the root word of decision, I believe, means to cut off. That means you cut off any other option. It's not an option to not be, in this case, to not be a good dad. I get to define what that looks like, but I now have to make a decision. And the third step is the, is the part where a lot of times leaders Leaders get it because we always have understood mentorship and coaching and guidance and following the plan of someone else's success is always going to help us sometimes, even if we're modeling that plan and we're iterating it for ourselves for our unique situation. But step three in my thought process is, okay, well, what's the plan to get us there? I played Mm -hmm. sports growing up. And I understood that in any game, we had a game plan coming into the game, whether I was playing or whether I was coaching, we practice, 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 practice. And then when the ball was kicked off, this is a football analogy. When the ball gets kicked off, everything you may have planned could go to, you know what, because the other team prepared better for you. And all of a sudden, you're down 21 points in the first quarter. And You're like, oh, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah. So the goal is game time adjustments, right? What lifetime adjustments are we making? And so step through is what, what does this plan look like? And in a lot of cases, I just learned early that there was no sense in me trying to figure it all out myself. Someone probably else had been in this situation before me. So let me see what their thought process was and let me see if I can latch onto that and then iterate it for myself. And then step four is the hardest part, I think, and you, you might agree. And that is making it happen, <laughs> right? So, so we, we, we make peace with the facts. We make a new decision about what we're going to be, who we're going to become. We decide we we make a plan. And now the question is, is are we willing to do the things every single day, the small behaviors every single day, repeatedly for a long period of time that makes that happen. How am I going to be a good dad? By the way, who gets to judge if I'm a good dad or not? Me or them? (laughs) They do. They do. (laughs) Right. So if I'm mindful that I, my ego has to get out of the way, I have to operate
1: in a totally different way. So Daryl, there's a lot in there and yes. a lot of really rich, rich pieces. So one, a couple of things I want to highlight. One thing I heard you say was this idea of not being the victim. And, you know, I think you said that a couple all these things happened. And I think a lot of people don't believe that there's actually a choice to be made in that
0: moment. <laughs> 100%.
1: So, what has been the key? Let's just focus on that question right now. What has been the key for you in make getting that place of making that choice in the moment? Because I'm sure it wasn't a "Hey, light switch, I got this." Right. Let's just talk about that narrow piece right now.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great question, um, Jeff. The I think when we really think about it, we all try to say as leaders sometimes we're maybe numb to our emotions, and I like to say that. In the moment that that happens, when we're dealing with the crisis, we're dealing with the situation, I just say, do I like how I feel right now? Hmm. Do, do I actually like how I feel? And here's, what's interesting. Nobody out there can control how I feel, right? right? There's a pro, uh, African proverb that says, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Hmm. See, so it's all inside. And so the question is, is getting, getting real about how do you feel and then making a decision. It's a binary decision, by the way, it's a binary decision has to be repeated in every now moment going forward, (laughs) right? I love the book, the power of now Eckhart Tolle. Every moment is a now moment and we get to renew our decision or our commitment to feel or do or be something in that moment, right? It doesn't mean that because her and I split and I made a decision, I was going to be a good dad. It was just beautiful roses for the first couple of years, relationship breakups have have some stuff they have some grit they have some dynamics right and we had a couple but we've been great parents it, it just worked out but that renewal of that decision so the the answer is how do i feel right now do i like it or do i not and guess what i get to control the next step to feel better and in many cases the the step to feel better is to change my focus on what is and what i want to what what i want to the belief that i can feel better in the next moment and I can control that next step. Here's what I mean. I like to say, uh, I use, I'll use a lot of analogies. If I have a headache, everyone on this, everyone listening to this has had a headache at some point. There are varying degrees of headaches. Everyone would agree. I've never had a migraine, so I can't speak to the, to the pain of a migraine, but I understand those are the most severe, hmm. but a simple headache. There are a number of reasons why the headache could be ailing you at that time. In addition, there are a number of solutions that could get rid of the headache. For example, you could be dehydrated. Maybe you could drink some water as a solution because, but the goal is, do I want the headache or do I not? (laughs) Right. And if the answer is simple, I don't want the headache anymore. Then I can start to eliminate choices. I can drink some water. I can take a nap. I can go get a massage. I can stretch. I can do some, uh, you know, um, uh, Kijong, or if I'm into that kind of yoga, I can go for a walk. I can take my focus away from what is stressing me at the moment. Mm -hmm. All of it is to try to feel a little better. Mm -hmm. And if we can move our place of energy to a feeling better, it's interesting how things just start to open up and things pathways instead of this constricting, right? We know that in heat things expand and in Mm -hmm. cold things contract. Right. So when we have something negative happen, we oftentimes contract into we talk to people who who just want to empathize. and And and, right. And hold you in this contracted emotion. And I'm very quick to figure out how do I get away from that emotion and expand my awareness, expand my energy, expand my possibilities, regain my belief in a positive outcome. Um, It takes. Work and you guys know leadership takes work. This is not as easy as a light switch, right? Um, (laughs) go ahead.
2: No, it it seems like that's the essence of the law of attraction too. You're you're looking for the the thing that's going to make you feel better. The better you feel, the better you're going to feel in the future because you're going to be attracting those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I I see it that way as well. I I I never thought of it as the law of attraction, but I guess that does make a hundred percent sense. Um. And, and the interesting part is we control the feeling and that's the essence, that's the beginning of mind shift. We are, we're at the basis of the control of where we want to go from here. There's no external source. There's no external pointing the finger as well if so-and-so, or if they would have, or because (laughs) all of that may be true. No one knows what the, what the cause really the root cause of the real estate collapse or Corona or any of these things, the facts are now here. So what do you want to do about it? Right. And I think in that moment of decision, Tony Robbins, I learned it in my twenties from, from him and I give him a ton of credit for this. And it's in the moment of your decisions that your destiny is shaped. Absolutely. And if you, and in those decisions though, you're cutting off other options, mm-hmm. right? I made decisions that, I had to make decisions that I wasn't gonna do drugs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I'd never saw drugs. I just had to make a decision I wasn't gonna do them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And I had to renew the decision because it wasn't like I was hanging out with people who didn't do them. <laughs> Right, okay. I got to renew the decision I got if I don't want to be someone who's over indulging in alcohol, well, I got to I, I can't hang out with people who overindulge. I, that's a decision. Right. Right. And so friendships and all those things, all of the the renewals of those decisions in the now moment is um, really where the work is, I think.
2: Well, it seems like this would be you becoming the person who does those things. It's like the be do have, you know, that Zig Ziglar and many other people have talked mm. about if you want to have something, you have to do something to get that something. But in order to do that, something, you have to be the person that does that thing. Yeah. And so yeah. what is, what have you found to be the secret of becoming the best you Daryl?
0: Working on it every single day. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I, I, it sounds, no one wants to hear it. No one wants to hear the answer. The fact of the matter is I I'm blessed, super blessed that I started as an entrepreneur in my twenties. Obviously I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just knew that if, if, you know, <laughs> you, if I buy something for this and sell it for more, I can make a profit and profit seems better than wages. And <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just, but, but the truth of the matter was I didn't have anyone else who was a young entrepreneur. I wasn't in a part of the millennial crew. That's everyone starting a business in their twenties. When I was in my twenties, that wasn't normal. Right. So I didn't have a crew, a network, a mastermind. I didn't have anybody feeding into that. It wasn't that they were talking me out of it. I was blessed in that regard. No one around me tried to talk me out of starting businesses. Not even my parents, no one. So I was super blessed that I didn't have naysayers in my corner, so, um, but the reality was, I had to figure out that I don't know what the heck, I don't, you know, four levels of consciousness, right? Four levels of consciousness in psychology, four levels of learning, sorry, I, I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, conscious, in, unconscious incompetence is that level where you don't know you don't know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Conscious incompetence means you know you don't know. <laughs> Conscious competence means you know that you know, but you have to still pay attention and work at it to make sure it happens. Right. And then unconscious competence is like tying your shoes. You just know how to do it. It's just like driving a car. You just know how to do it. It's like riding a bike though. You haven't been on a bike for 30 years. You still remember how to do it. I got on a pair of roller skates about three years ago to go to a <laughs> roller skate party. I hadn't been on skates since I was probably 21. Yeah. I, I, I didn't fall. So It's that constant reminder that, and so for me, it was that conscious incompetence Mm -hmm. that constantly keeps me moving forward. I am consciously aware that I don't know it all, though I have come a long way. So I'm constantly humble enough to work on myself for 30 minutes to an hour a day to see if I can pick up an insight, to see Mm -hmm. if my energy is off and I need to figure out how to switch it. I lead people like you lead people. We have companies, we have companies that, that, that need my help. We have team that needs my help. I've got the podcast and I have to constantly keep working on myself every day. And so that's, that's the work and it's intentional work. Awesome.
1: So Daryl, there's, there's a lot, so many more threads to pull out of there. One thing that hit me, I'd never heard the phrase and I heard it come into my head. You were talking about having these people who empathize with you, not in a positive way. (laughs) And it struck me. mean, I'm big on empathy. And it struck me, I said, Well, are they really empathizing or are they empath (laughs) empathizing? Yes. And I think I think they're more emphasizing the pain or the challenge, uh, you know, trying to keep you in the hole or drag you into their hole of how they see things. So I I really like that gift of that turn of a phrase. The one thing I'm curious about, you've talked a couple of times about the facts and looking at what is, and I would again say that's a lot harder than it sounds. Because my experience, and it's been my own, is that I used to think things were facts, they're not actually facts. those things <laughs> the facts are the facts themselves are really simple. It's all the rest of the stuff that I've made up about the facts right <laughs> yes. So, yep. what has been your strategy to really understand what the facts are versus the story that you put on the facts?
0: Oh Jeff, you couldn't that's such a great point um. Can I just go to Corona really quick for, for an example? Cause it's one of the more re- relevant examples for, uh, for, for me, for my company, we lost 57% of our agency's revenue in 14 days in, in that window. Look, you know, we got a new, we all got a new definition, uh, essential or non-essential. And this is not to get into but the, the word was described. I had clients that are in the non-essential category. They were asked to sit on the sidelines under the, the mandates, et cetera. They were viable businesses, nothing was wrong with their business, but it just doesn't make sense to keep paying us what they pay us. If they can't market their business, if they can't run ads, they can't do patient surgeries and et cetera, et cetera. So the reality becomes then at this point, and and I'll speak just quickly through this is okay. Here are this, the scenario is lockdown. That's that's the new fact at the moment. Is it permanent or is it temporary? I like to keep things very binary. It is temporary. Okay. Essential and non-essential. So who's in the essential bucket and who's in the non-essential bucket? We have a lot of our clients in the essential bucket. Who's in the non-essential bucket that we don't currently work with who could probably need need our help at this point. And then there's even another level, who's in the essential bucket, who hasn't done a great job with their online presence, who could switch their model. Hmm. You know, If you're doing conventions and trade shows in Las Vegas and Las Vegas shuts down, you're out of business for, for a while. But if you're a leadership development company who used to do everything on site, but have never converted your business to an online coaching and training model. Can we help you change? We can help you change. So we started looking at all of those scenarios. Then we also looked at the external environment and said, okay, is this an economic issue? You you know, like in 2008, did we have an economic setback? Is this a recession? Is what is this? It's not really any of that. And in our case, will people need our service more or less given the current situation more? So in doing that, Sure, it hurt that the it hurt that the revenue was stopping, but it I I didn't have to I didn't have time to sit in it, because we were able to evaluate what the new decisions would be at that point, point. and so uh, I hope this kind of answers the question in in a, in a simple way. But you're right about the story, and the que- the way I solve it is ask better questions. Hmm. See if, if I ask better questions, I can get better answers. You're and a lot of times language now, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And to your point about the, the, the people that are emphasizing, they're not asking questions. They're taking your side on your stupid story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great point. Yeah. I mean, if you can have like some sort of ability to like somehow reshoot the video of a different version of what they're saying to realize that what they're telling. Let, let's say I go oh, man, I just had a shitty week. This bad thing happened. And then someone comes up and says, wow, you're right, that really was shitty. That's not really what I need to hear. Now, <laughs> not helpful. I'm not not happy, helpful. <laughs> but I certainly don't need to go, wow, I'm, I'm surprised you don't feel worse. <laughs> <I was laughs> about how shitty my day was yesterday. Yeah, right. When did it become about you? I'm, I'm, I missed the story. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair laughs> so, I want to ask you this question. I'm going to pull back a little higher level here for a minute, Daryl. When you were talking about mind shifts, two things hit me at the same time, and I'm curious how they're the same or similar, maybe different. I always think about uh, Wayne Dyer. and he one of my favorites. So he said so much, and one of his quotes is, if you change the way you look at things, the things you things look, you at, look change. at
0: Change. One of my favorites. I, I say I'm, it all the time.
1: I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I believe that <laughs> that's actually literal. And people said, so you're going to tell me that if I change looking at that tree, it's going to stop being a tree. That well, <laughs> it depends. How do you know it was a tree? You know, what is it? It's you, the tree. Is, is it a tree? <laughs> you know, it's, it could be a lot of things. And the other one that popped in my head, because I'm a Broadway guy, is there's a show called Kinky Boots, it's a wonderful show, and at the end of the show, they do something unique. They sing six of the lessons they taught you during the show. Kinky Boots? Yeah. That yes. sounds weird. Well, you would, yes, you might find it unusual <laughs> it is, It's a fabulous movie with lots of lessons, and at the end, they tell you what the lessons you learned were, which is great. Huh. One of them is, I think this is the way, when you, you, change, the, you change the world when you change your mind. Hmm. yeah and i think i don't know how many years i really live by that and it sounds like is that what we're talking about yes literally by that shift you can transform your experience and everything around you just by that shift
0: yeah yeah absolutely i in in my in mind shift we say our, our intention is to help you shift your mind so you can shift your results and we don't realize i'm learning more i'm not i'm not Educated enough to really talk about the depths of the mind, of our powerful mind, but our mind and our brain are not the same. Mm -hmm. That much I know. And unfortunately, some things get implanted in our brain through our subconscious programming that we allow to control our mind and how we view things. To your point.
3: Yeah.
0: You mean to tell me if I look at a tree and I just decide it's not a tree, then it's not going to be a tree well, who decided it was a tree in the first place? Right. So, I mean, we can go down that a little bit. I'm not that I'm not here to argue that point. I I'm here to say that in, in moments that, uh, and I thank you for bringing up Wayne. I, I think Wayne was one of the most, um, uh, gifted, uh, of, of thinkers and spiritual leaders that that ever lived in my time. And that, that phrase is so powerful, but that is literally essence of it. It's, is there a different way that I can look at this scenario? And first of all, I want to look at at me first. Is a, is there a way I can look at me at how I'm looking at this scenario? The scenario, when I say the facts are the facts, the scenario may be true. The scenario may be real. The scenario may be in front of you. I was I was. This is not a horrible hell story by any means, but uh, you know, seven years ago, I I was 216 pounds. I'm five eight guy. I'm not the biggest guy on the planet. 5, 8, 2, 16, waist is about a 38, high blood pressure is starting to become, just getting in that number, Whereas it's pre-hypertension, okay? I can't look at the, 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 the report that came from the blood work, you know, or whatever the number was that they gave me, the blood pressure reading, and make that change <laughs> because <laughs> I changed the way I looked at it. Right. However, he said, the doctor says, you're nowhere close to getting blood pressure perm- blood- Pressure medication, but just so you're aware. So, so, in that moment of awareness, he stated that we're not close to blood pressure medication, but some people would not take any action until it got closer to the blood pressure medication number, which is 180 over whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm literally 140 over something, which is 20 points, whatever the number is out of range. So, in that moment, I'm faced with some facts and I have new decisions I can make. Do I want to take medication or do I not? See, that's a very binary decision. I don't want to take medication. I have thoughts about that. I have beliefs about that. I respect medicine and all of its wonder, but I'm not taking no stupid pills for no. When I can get my butt up off my chair and I can start walking more, and I can start <laughs> right. eat, I can start eating a little bit better. Yep. And I've been doing this career work at a desk for 25 years now, so it's no excuse. I, I've been working at a desk, I'm likely going to keep working at a desk. So the question that becomes is, yes, change the way I look at it, okay? What am I looking at? Well, I'm not as active as I used to be. I'm not eating as good as I used to do because I used to be in great, great, great shape. I used to train as a bodybuilder. I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I used to train with a bodybuilder. So therefore I ended up with bodybuilding type characteristics because I was training with a guy who was a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't trained with in a while like that. I'd eaten a little bit worse. I'd been moving a little less. So the question, so the way I saw the problem was, don't you go on a crass diet? No. I decided to move a little more and eat a little bit better and see how that worked out. And over the next 28 months or so, I lost a pound a month and got back. I ended up getting down to 172 and I still hover today around 176, 77 in most days. So I've kind of regressed about five or six pounds. But my point is I didn't need a crash diet. It was just a decision. And I just had to renew it because if I'd have taken a crash diet to lose 30 pounds or whatever it was, it probably wouldn't have been a lifestyle change. Yeah. So.
1: Daryl, let's go back to this. I, I'm glad we had this discussion. I don't know why the tree came up, but as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about yeah. Maybe we can agree, like you said, who decided it was a tree? <laughs> we can agree that the tree it's factually a tree. It's a big but now. Let's take two different people looking at that tree, and one who's in the lumber business, who hmm. says that tree is a source of lumber to build homes from which I can generate a profit. And someone else looks at it and says this tree is a part of an ecosystem. And that's important for that tree to be there to remain part of that ecosystem. It's still a tree. It is. But those people's perspectives yeah, determine what they actually see and how, what they interpret, mm-hmm. and how they perceive that tree. And that people say, well, it's just a tree. But this, ha- this applies to everything in our lives. Those are the decisions. And I need to be aware that I may have perceptions driving how I see that tree or that problem <laughs> or that opportunity, whatever it is. Some are unconscious too, that will influence and sometimes poison what I see, and right. I think that's yes. Did the tree change? It actually did. In one case, it's a source of building something, and the other, it's a source of creating life,
2: yes. life and wealth. Yeah, in tree.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Thus the housing. essence. Thus the essence of discourse that we have in the world today (laughs) on literally every subject. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I did learn something. Um, and I'm gonna see if I can say it right. Because I, I, I don't like to try to quote work or things that I'm learning until I really understand it. But, um, in every subject, there's the, there's the wanting of it and the absence of it. And so I, I have to leave it there, but there is this tug of war on every, just like you said, the tree is a perfect example. To one person it's revenue and, and, and the source of building a community, for example, and to a squirrel it's home, <laughs> right? To a bird, right, it's home. And so that is the tug of war of this, of, of this, uh, of this life. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
2: I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the international business honor society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings and engage in world class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members.
1: Welcome back. Let's t- transition this. I mean, I, I think the analogy works well, but let's get away from the tree. And <laughs> let's think about you know, <laughs> entrepreneurs. And let's go to a phrase you used earlier, Daryl. You're talking about the four stages of learning and what I don't know. I would say if we marched in 100 business owners right now, entrepreneurs, and said, do you know that you don't know what you don't know? I'm pretty confident that 100% would say, "Absolute." But then my question is: If we went to their people around them, <laughs> how many of them would say that in their day-to-day leadership decision making, do they act as if they know that? Hmm. And the answer is not going to be 100. percent It's a blind spot. How can you know what your blind, blind spot? It's a blind spot. Yeah. So talk about mind shifts and blind spots, especially that one. I yeah. I, I don't know. Every I don't know. I don't know.
0: Knowing, knowing what I know about you guys' work and what you stand for. Uh, I have said for years, hopefully, the hardest part of growing a business from a leader's perspective is people and people, growing people, people management, elevating leaders, creating pathways um, in my experience. And so when we talk to the leader, and I am one of those, and I have blind spots, and my partner has blind spots, and every business owner I talk to has blind spots it, it always comes back to a level of sometimes ego, sometimes ego is in the way I've been doing this for so long. I've had the company, (laughs) I've had the company X number of years. I started it 38 years ago. My great, great grandfather started and said, and so part of it is ego. Um,
3: and then some of it is
0: believing that, and this is just, I'm trying to see if I can get to what I really want to say here. And that is coming back to a level of humility to recognize that as an entrepreneur, in my opinion, our job, if we're growing an enterprise and growing an enterprise means something different for everyone, it could be someone who's trying to go to, you know, uh, to scale and and, and exit other ones could be, so I can build a lifestyle business, have it run without me whatever. But if you're going to bring people into the conversation, your job, one of your jobs as an entrepreneur is to create pathways for individuals to operate in their gift Mm. such that it aligns with your vision. Yes. That is hard. (laughs) Now here's the, here's what I mean by that. And this is a, a distinction of the last three or four years for me. I love the idea of creating jobs. I love small business because small business in America at least creates 60-ish percent of the jobs, depending on which statistic you look at. Mm -hmm. Nothing against big corporate America, because most of them were small businesses to start with. (laughs) So, you know, so you know, when I look at a you know, a Jeff Bezos who started in a garage, we were all small at some point. If you get to corporate, it's not that I hate corporate, but I love helping small businesses think through this because a lot of entrepreneurs. I read the ebook, uh, the E Myth, by Michael Gerber back in 2000. Yep. Was a game changing book for me at the time,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that is that all most entrepreneurs start a business out of what he called an entrepreneurial seizure. <laughs> right.
3: They were gen,
0: they were generally fantastic technicians. They were great doctors under the medical practice. They were great lawyers under the law firm. They were great accountants under the big accounting firm. They were great mechanics at the mechanic shop. Got in got in some fight with the boss who wasn't doing anything in their opinion. I'm the one who makes it all happen around here. I'm going to go start my own thing because if this, if I left this place, wouldn't make it right. So it's an entrepreneurial seizure as Gerber would describe it in my best way of regurgitating it. The problem though, though, is now you own a job. Now you own a job. And the reality is when you start a business, you're, if you want to stay the senior technician, you've got to bring in people to run the other aspects of the business. You've got to bring in someone who does ops and sales and management and HR. And so, I go back to ego a little bit. And then I go back to this understanding of is what does it mean to bring people in and give them room to grow and serve and help you actually get what you want? And the distinction for me is create pathways for people to operate in their gift. See, their gift is not being the CEO or the business owner, or they wouldn't be working for you. Um, That happens from time to time where someone comes in, you know, sort of wants to coast through the environment, so they can go start their own thing, but not often. Most people want safety, they want security, they want certainty, right? So your job is to help have a business model that gives them opportunities for them to do what they do best so that you can do what you do best and have a vision for the future that they find their job fulfilling.
2: I love that you you've actually nailed it as far as this is, this is how to to do that. I, I look at it, you say it's, it's hard. Yes. There's a lot of thinking that goes into it, but to me, that's some of the excitement about leadership because you get to transform people's lives. You get to guide them in a way that helps them show their brilliance and okay. to, to really live their best life, which has a transfer effect to their family, to friends. It, it's, we are in a place where we can have a significant impact on a lot of
0: other people. Yeah, And it goes back to what you guys believe in. And I've heard you say over and over again, and that is, I believe holistically and to my deepest core, that is my job to create an environment for them to be able to think on their own without punishment, make mistakes, make mistakes so that they can use their skill set to solve problems as opposed to feeling like their voice is meaningless or it's just a part of executing the work Absolutely. We wanna give them pathways to think and fail because generally speaking, I just believe in this, failure is rarely final <laughs> or fatal. So we might lose a couple of dollars, we might lose some time, which is also money, yeah. but I'd rather them think through, like I'm a big believer in if-then thinking. Um, I don't really need people to just push buttons because you were told to push the button. I want you to be able to think through strategically and if you're gonna be good at you know, digital, Today, you've got to be a strategic thinker. You can't just be a button pusher. Um, button pushers can be now, unfortunately, outsourced for X dollars in, in whatever uh, company country mm-hmm. where the wage difference pays them really well for a number you would never work for here. So if, if that's all you do, yeah. you're, you're not in in the right uh, situation.
1: Well, Daryl, it's interesting. You've talked so much about mind shifts and part of what you're talking about now to me is also about changing your conversation literally the words, because you emphasize the word people's gifts. And I really wonder how many organizations ever use that word. Because it's, I think so many people either aren't familiar with the concept or don't believe it's a business conversation. Like they'll say, I want to figure out their best skill sets. That's not the same as their gifts. Hmm. There's some, the word gift is a, is a whole, it is holistic. And it's, it's much more than they're real. Some, someone's really good at that. And I will tell you, one of the things I regularly ask like groups or organizations when I'm working inside is, you know, tell me what your gifts are. I go, what, what? They say, what do you mean? Like, I want to say, what do you mean? What do I mean? <laughs> You've never been asked that question. No, I know, <laughs> right. I've never even thought about that. So to me, that's part of I got to make a mental shift that we're going to do something more than just talk about skills and productivity. And we're going to get to that. But I need to change the conversation. I'm having, starting with myself and then with my team members, because to your, I love the phrase, the best I wrote it down was creating pathways for your people to best utilize their gifts in alignment with the company values and objectives Envision, vision. Right. That's, that's a simple statement, but that's in a lot of ways, bigger than a lot of organizations are thinking today.
0: Yeah. And Listen, I, I don't have enough time in other organizations to know how they think, because I, I never have been in the corporate environment world that long. I've had a few stints in them. I will say, though, to your point, the two that I can think of. And, and listen, things change when you're a bigger enterprise and you're running more like a machine. And I'm not suggesting that this should get lost in the conversation. I'm focused on small and mid-sized companies that are probably, you know, anywhere from 500,000 to to five twenty. million. That's, that's, that's our sweet spot. And I see that companies there were entrepreneurial driven Mm. entrepreneurial sales focus grown. And now you're, you're at a place now where you now need other talented folks to carry the ball, Mm. right? You can grit your way to 30 million. If you, you know, you can grit it there, but at some point you've got to, you know, you, you've got to create those pathways. And so one thing I I'll share, and I shared this just a week ago with someone uh, I was coaching with and one way to think about it in terms of the hiring process. Um, it's one of the things I still love to do in my company. I, I don't have, I still love talking to candidates to come work at the company because I just love to figure out what motivated them, where they at in their, in their journey uh, to have them look for a new role because I'm always trying to figure out what are they running away from? What's not? What happened where they left that brought them towards me? Yeah. What is also interesting though, is a statement or a paragraph that I put in job descriptions, it, they're baked in our job descriptions. When we go to post the position, we describe in a way, the day in the life of being in our company, mm-hmm. not from a skill, like you just mentioned, um, Jeff, like you just mentioned, it's not just the skills or the past history of experience or the degree. I want to get you the person who would thrive in this role is someone who thrives in a changing environment, is goal-driven, is a self-starter, works well with a team, communicates well through today virtual. And I'll, I'll use descriptors that my intention is to say, I'm not that I don't do well with that. Mm. I, I don't care about the punching of the buttons and all the sticks and the hammers that we got to right. throw. If you can't see, uh, we don't micromanage in our company. So I forget how I write it, but um, <laughs> doesn't have to be micromanaged is self-sufficient with managing their day. Yeah. So these are characteristics these are traits mm-hmm. and i'm trying to first of all i don't want to be in interviews all day so I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> so so i want to stop the person who needs to be told what to do every 5 minutes because yeah. that's unfortunately what happens in corporate corporate tells you to be there at this time do this and that i'm a more entrepreneurial firm where i'm trying to you know for lack of a better phrase i want thinkers I want people to have freedom and flexibility. I don't, I'm not gonna put a block on your computer so that you can't log into Facebook. I'm stupid. If, as an right. employer, I'm dumb to think you're not gonna log into Facebook. So I was very fortunate to be in here in Vegas and learn from Tony Shea before he passed away, uh, what he talked about and how they did things at, at Zappos. And people get into the conversation about whether it's good, whether it's not good. What he said, though, that stuck with me, and I, I didn't meet him personally to hear this, it was in a seminar, but he said, I expect that my team will give me five and a half hours a day and they can do whatever else with the other two and a half. So if they work eight, they can do whatever they want with the other two and a half. I just want five and a half because that's what the studies show that you're going to get in terms of productivity Mm -hmm. on an average workday. You're not getting eight hours of work. So it doesn't. So in his world, you can do whatever you want. Go back and take a nap. I don't tell you when to take a lunch. You do that. I just need five and a half hours. And of course they had shifts and governance inside. But I just, when I heard that, I was like, That's a relaxed way, but in order to do that, you have to hire the right people. The goal is to empower them to do what they do best, give them room to fail, and then course correct if and when necessary for the vision and future that we're heading towards. Um, And of course, you guys know this in in people development and such, but anyway, that's just how I think about it and how we've tried to do it in our company and pass that along to the companies that we we work with that are growing through some, some challenges.
2: Wow. But that isn't
0: our jam. People development, that's your jam. That's, you know, I'm just giving it from my perspective. (laughs) (laughs) That's your jam.
1: (laughs) It's so great. You know, from your, from your mouth, from your lips to uh, every business owner's ears and more importantly, their heart, uh, that would change things. Uh, What you described is is a shift for sure, uh, but it's one that is really people focused around mission and it'll pay dividends in, Buckets, buckets of flood. Uh, But I think there's a lot of trust in that. People are used to doing it the way they've done it and the way that it was done to them and for them.
3: Mm -hmm. And it
1: was both. And and it's not unusual for people to lead the way they were led. But times have changed. People have changed and uh, the workplace has changed and expectations have changed. And so it's up to leaders to change and to make those shifts that you talk about. So thank you. Thank you, Daryl, for bringing all this wisdom to us.
0: Thanks Uh, for having me, man. This has we, been great. we always
1: want to give our guests a chance to highlight or promote something going on with them or their business. What is that for you, Daryl?
0: If you've enjoyed today's conversation, uh, I'd love for you to listen to other great thought leaders. And, and Jeff and Craig, hopefully I can have you on my show. But uh, check out the MindShift podcast. And uh, it's available anywhere you listen to a podcast. If you want to connect with me further, have a conversation or discussion about anything, I'm at Um, And I'm on social everywhere you can think of so <laughs> so one clarification
2: to find the Mindshift Mindshift podcast Mindshift is one word
0: yeah so Mindshift is one word and actually there's a, a popular show in the npr network that is actually called Mindshift with singular words so we're the mindshiftpodcast.com that's the website but the Mindshift podcast uh with daryl evans is is going to get you there uh we've got a a blue uh logo background so if you see the one with blue uh then you're going to be in the right place and that you blue, is you. <laughs> yeah appreciate it
1: <laughs> well so uh thank you for that we know how people can reach you so daryl uh as we do some of our wrap-up questions what's that piece of wisdom to leave our listeners with
0: i always refer to the very simplest of of thoughts and that Again, it's taken more from Jim Rohn, but it's also without a vision, people perish. You can say it a lot of different ways. And that is, you're never stuck <laughs> where you are so long as you're willing to shift your mind in route to shifting your results. And just the acceptance of the a possibility of a shift in plan, a shift, just give yourself the possibility. Because once you give yourself the possibility, believe it or not, as, as, uh, Paulo Coelho used to say, or, or I believe he said in his book, The Alchemist is, is just make the decision to shift and watch the world just open up and bring you the resources you need to get there. And I know that's esoteric. And I know that doesn't sit well with people that want a rigid, strict plan, but I'll finish <laughs> this last piece, which is, you know, the art of war tactics before strategy is the noise before defeat, huh. but you can't, you can't get to a strategy if you, have been, if you haven't made the decision to win the war. Hmm. Win the war of this moment. What does this moment mean? And so shift your mind, shift your results. That, that, that is a level of possibility that opens up an endless amount of resources that could come your way. And um, that's probably my best uh, piece of advice for ending today. That's beautiful.
1: But Daryl, I, I want to make sure and ask this next question because it's one of our favorites and I just have a feeling you're going to do something good on this, something juicy. Okay. Tell us about that movie, that movie scene character or whatever it is that speaks to you about leadership.
0: I was in a really rough place in 2000, uh, 99, 98, 90, 98, 99, 2000. And I'm recovering from that personal story, starting a business back kind of against the wall i watched gladiator mm. around whenever 2001 whenever it came out so russell crowe's character is is maximus desmus beridius and if anyone's seen the movie there's a spot at the end and it's at the end but it really spoke to me about a, a, a measure of leadership he could have killed commodus at any time he wanted mm. once he got the the once he got it, you know the favor of the people he could have killed him anytime he wanted and i remember him telling uh, the gal who was his former love or who wanted Commodus, sister that, um, when, when she had him in the chains in the, in the thing, and he says, well, why don't you kill Commodus? Well, anyway, once it becomes a known that, that gladiator is really Maximus and Commodus comes out to confront him and he, Commodus says to him about, he talked about his, about killing his wife and killing his son and, and hanging him from the tree. And you could see the emotion on Crow's face as Maximus. And he could have killed him in that moment and been done. And he said to Commodus, the time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end. Hmm. And in that, in that short script, what I saw and I heard and the way the writers wrote it was, here's this leader who now has the world, this, this population of people looking at him, and he could have taken the easy out. He could have taken the easy out and just erased his enemy in that moment. And he just simply said, he looked him straight in the eye with tears and the time for honoring yourself will soon be at an end sire. And he walked away. And I thought of that from a leadership metaphor of from the standpoint of there are a lot of things we're confronted with and we can react Mm. and we can, it takes a lot of character to be in that kind of adversity. That kind of scrutiny. First of all, he was, they they tried to kill him. They, they killed his family. And then they made him a slave. And now he's got to fight and literally die any day they put him in the ring, in the arena. And he ends up rallying, rallying a bunch of guys who just were going to die, rallying a city in a crowd, and then walking away from the opportunity to kill his biggest enemy in, in that moment. And of course, anyone knows how the movie ends. Uh, it just was a It just leaders have to make really tough decisions. But in that moment, he shifted his mind and said, ah, there's a better way to handle this. So that's an interesting line. I'm, I'm a big movie guy. I like to I like the stories they put together. I think people who write movies are just some of the most amazing people out there.
1: Yeah. Gladiator is definitely one of my favorites. It is, it is so many lessons in Gladiator. So thank you, Daryl. Thanks for bringing it Bringing it today, and mm-hmm. uh, really grateful for the work you do in the world—not only in growing business, but growing leaders and shifting minds. So thank, thank you, guys. Appreciate
0: you out. guys as well. Again, thank you so much for having me, and uh, hopefully, the audience audience got uh, got one thing out of it. Though.
2: Oh, they will. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app. Rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, We have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartevera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside.
0: The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, "'Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.'